0: Welcome to the Innovation Junkies Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Innovation Junkies Podcast. I'm Jeff Standridge. And this is Jeff Amerine. Glad to be back. Yes, sir. Good to have you. So we started last uh, week talking about uh, business strategy and uh, strategic growth planning and and having a strategic growth system. Today I'd like to spend some time talking about organizational strategy and how that affects kind of the human element and and the performance of the organization. Uh have you ever seen organizations where uh people were were moving boxes around on a whiteboard trying to figure out kind of what the right structure is for the organization when they really hadn't spent any time planning on where they're trying to take the organization.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. You know, knowing knowing what to do and, and knowing kind of uh, the directionality of the business and having that strategy figured out before you start rearranging the organization is important. And I think a big part of it too is making sure that you're in a position to influence the behavioral change that you'll need in order to implement a new strategy. A lot of the times that's where these things fail because you don't have the organization on board.
0: Yeah. The adage that I like to use is, you know, we've used the adage before that Peter Drucker adage that culture each strategy for breakfast, right? So no matter how good your plan is, no matter how good your strategy is, if you don't focus on the culture, it will absolutely consume the strategy. Well, the other adage I like to use when we think about business strategy versus organizational strategy is structure follows strategy. So don't, you know, and, and I think a lot of people m- maybe took some of Jim Collins' words, where Jim Collins used to talk about in his book, Good to Great, get the right people on the bus, get the right people in the right seats, and then ask them, where are we taking this thing? And I And I think that tended to at least connote for a lot of people, okay, get your talent in place, get them in the right seats, meaning structure, and then we'll plan the strategy. And, and I don't know that he necessarily meant that. Get yeah. the right people, build the right strategy, and then figure out what's the right organizational strategy and the resulting structure in order to achieve that. It could be a centralized strategy where you have uh, a number of the, the, the shared functions centralized uh, and and then farmed out to the various business units. It could be a, a, a what we what we used to call a franchised structure or a decentralized structure where everybody ha- every business unit has its own CFO and its own talent leader and its own kind of business unit leader or CEO so to speak. And, and it really comes down to who are the talent that you have and where are you trying to take the organization.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's always a whole lot better to have the direction figured out and the targets figured out before you do too much realigning in the various different possible organizational structures.
0: That's right. It really brings us to the, to the McKinsey, sometimes called the 7S model, which was created by Tom Peters and, and uh, Robert Waterman back in the 70s. Uh, and it's really used to diagnose the effectiveness of an organization and to design a, a, a well-structured organization based upon the very first S in that 7S model is the strategy So what's the strategy of the organization? What's the plan designed to win in the marketplace against our competitors? And then you can get into questions
1: about structure. Is it something that's more hierarchical? Is it project based? Is it going to be a flat organization? Is it going to be matrix? I mean, all those other things flow from understanding what's the strategy and what are the targets?
0: That's right. And, and what are you going to call them? You're going to call them divisions. You're going to call them departments. You know, we used to have divisions in one of the organizations where I worked. And one of the days, one day we had this big epiphany that said, what, what does division mean? Just when you think about the word division and it, well, it means complete and separate. It means no information tends to flow back and back and forth. And we were operating just like that. And so we ended up uh, we ended up canning the use of the word divisions because it was driving the wrong behavior in terms of what we needed to accomplish. At, at a particular time in the, in the early to mid-90s, the word division worked exactly like we needed it to because we were growing very, very rapidly. And we needed to have people separated so that they weren't going to get distracted or, or mired in the organizational morass that can be a mammoth or, uh, mammoth-sized company. So we created specific divisions. Well then in about 2008 when the, the the economy really started to struggle we didn't we weren't growing as rapidly we didn't need divisions we needed economies of scale so we chose to to ban the word division so to speak and bring everything back to a whole with matrix centralized functions and what have you so and those things those structures
1: uh, can be the right thing at, at the right time it can be the right. right thing at the wrong time but I, I guess one of the the calls to action there is, be ready to make change. If you need That's to go exactly from right. a P&L and a division structure to matrix, or you need to flatten it out, or you need to eliminate hierarchy. The thing where you see organizations struggle is they, they build in silos, which might've been really good when you needed the silos in the beginning. And then those silos continue to exist beyond a point to where the efficiencies are really realized.
0: Yeah, that the, the organizational structure crosses over a change in strategy and they don't think about changing the structure to match that new strategy, for instance.
1: Let's let's segue to this, this idea of systems. I know a lot of times we'll get called in by potential clients and they'll be struggling mightily with the idea of we need to buy a new ERP or we've got a line around, you know, certain IT system. And they get really wrapped around the technology and what it might or might not do. And you ask fundamental questions of what are the processes? You know, mm-hmm. who's mapped yeah. the processes for? What you're doing. And a lot of times you realize nobody's mapped those processes end to end. They haven't gone through sort of a fundamental, a lean view of the organization about thinking about how, from uh, initial customer engagement through delivery, they're actually doing things. When they do that, they may find we don't necessarily need new systems. We just needed better processes. But talk a little bit more about that.
0: Well, yes. And, and many times they ignore. They ignore the entire process of of looking at processes and systems because they assume that they have to look at all of them. And that is overwhelming to them. And really, they just need to look at those daily routines and daily processes that directly connect to the implementation of the strategy. At least that's right. where they need to start. Uh, now ultimately we'd like to look at all of them, but you, but you know, it's the 80-20 rule, right? Look at the 20% of the processes that are directly tied to strategy that are responsible for 80% of the results. And, and to your point, when I was running a software development shop inside an organization and people would want us to, to automate their processes, I would say run them on an Excel spreadsheet for at least three cycles before you ask me to build software around them. Exactly. You're going to learn a lot of things about where the process is broken and not optimized.
1: You know, and in startup speak, a lot of times they'll say, do things initially that don't scale mm-hmm. so that you really understand the process. And then you can figure out where can the efficiencies and the automation really yep. go. And and some people sometimes people forget that and they end up wasting an ordinance amount of time and money trying to apply a system that they believe everybody
0: else has without having a good rationale for implementing it. Yeah. The next one's about shared values. You know, we've talked about that a lot uh, over the course of multiple episodes. Even the last episode, we referenced it. Uh, you know, the core values of the organization that really manifest themselves in the collective behavior and general work ethic of the organization. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on those. So we've got strategy, structure, systems Shared values and style, and this is kind of a subset of shared values, but it's it's the it's the leadership style of the organization. How they communicate, what are the behavioral patterns? Uh, um, how do the managers operate, and how do they communicate versus how do the directors and senior VPs and executive leaders of the organization is there a is there a chasm between the two, et cetera?
1: Yeah, and, the, and this is one where kind of the call to action on the style is leaders have to have a high enough emotional intelligence to understand the maturity of the professional maturity of the individuals on the team, what sort of leadership styles will work best. And that's not to say to kind of create a persona that's not you, but it is important to understand not all the people on your team need the same sort of leadership. Some are going to need a lot more latitude to make their own decisions, be able to Mm -hmm. be fully empowered. Others are going to need more direction. Your job as a leader to, is to understand that and apply the style right. and the approach that's most effective for each of your direct reports.
0: Yeah, and then we start getting down to the actual individuals, right? So we talked about organizational strategy, structure, and systems. Then we move down to Kind of the collective people in terms of shared values and style. Now we're moving down into actual staff and skills, which are the sixth and seventh S's of the, of the McKinsey 7S model. The staff being, you know, the employees and their overall capabilities. In other words, do we have the, the employee population that we need to carry out this strategy, uh, leveraging this structure? And, and then finally, when it gets to skills, it's do we have the, the knowledge, the skills, the abilities, the competencies of all of our employees, and and how and do we do we have those skills and capabilities in a manner that really differentiates us in the market from our competitors? And these
1: really these last two things in particular talk to something that Gino Wickman covered in Traction, where he talks about that a part of that accountability matrix where you essentially size people up by do they get it. Do they want it, do they have the capability or the capacity to actually do it? And that's, right. and that's again another thing that's really important that ties
0: to staff and skills. That's right. And that capacity or capability could be could be capability. In other words, they just don't have the capability of of building those competencies and skills in the time frame that we need them to, number one. Or it could be they don't have the capacity because they're fully engaged in another aspect of the business. And it could be either or both of those.
1: Exactly. And, and the thing that's tricky about that is, if you and I think it's germane for today, if you've got a limited resource of subject matter experts like data scientists, for example, and you just keep dumping more and more and more data science or analytical work on them, eventually it's the point where, yeah, they've got all the capability K- in the world, but they just don't have the capacity to be able to fulfill what you want them to do. Those sorts of things are important. I mean, it it puts you in the frame of mind of understanding the the resource loading that you have that's going to help you fulfill or not fulfill a
0: strategy. That's right. So to bring it back around, we've got strategy, which is who are we, where are we going, and how are we going to get there? And then we've got uh, our structure. Don't forget that, number one, structure follows strategy, but just because it follows strategy doesn't mean that you can skip over it. Uh, We got to look at, do we have the organizational structure? Is our organizational strategy mapped to our business strategy? And can we actually execute against the things that we've said we're going to execute based upon those seven S's that we've just talked about from the McKinsey model? Our strategy, our structure, and systems overarching, our shared values and style, which is kind of the collective population of people, and then staff and skills when we start looking down to the individual on an individual basis at people. Uh, you do that, you'll make sure that you, you're, you're headed in the right direction and you've got the organizational capacity to come along and execute on that.
1: It's pretty timeless framework. Good stuff. Good stuff. Absolutely. Anything you want to add? No, I think that's it. I think we covered, covered the waterfront there on the McKinsey 7S model. It's another useful framework and tool.
0: All right. This has been another episode of the Innovation Junkies podcast. We appreciate you for joining. See you next time.
1: Feedback from listeners like you helps us create outstanding content. So if you like this episode, be sure to rate us or leave a review. Also, don't forget to subscribe to get the latest growth and innovation strategies. Thanks for tuning in to the Innovation Junkies podcast.